Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au You have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read from verses 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A reading from verses 3 to 5. The Bible says this For though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and so Father we just thank you for your grace and mercy we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is powerful and that it has the capacity to speak directly into our lives into our lives even today and that's our prayer today Father that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit bind every spirit of fear and intimidation just let there be freedom to speak the word and to hear the word let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Father, let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may understand your word. And Father, we we commit the needs of your people, Lord God, in particular. uh, Michelle Borelli is going to have surgery in the next couple of weeks, Lord God. We just commit her to you, Father God. We believe that you're, you're a great God, that you guide, that you lead, and that you heal, Father God. Let the hand of the Lord be upon her, Father God, we pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do even this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to begin a new series entitled Winning the War in Your Mind. Winning the War in Your Mind. The series comes from a book that's been written by Craig Rochelle on the topic. I thoroughly recommend uh, you get a hold of that book. You can pick it up from uh, Kurong or uh, online anywhere. Thoroughly recommend the book. It's a great book to read. And I'm just going to be speaking a few messages out of this particular book. The Bible says that as Christians, we're involved in a battle. Uh, And the battle is not with people. It's not with situations. Um, It's not with your boss at work. It's not with your spouse. It's it's not with your in-laws. Our battle is with the enemy. Can I hear an amen? Uh, It's with our sin nature. It's with the world system. And the battle is primarily fought in our minds. The place where that battle takes place, more than any other place, is in our minds. It's between our ears. I wonder, is there anyone who can relate to that? Anyone who can relate to the fact that our greatest battles so often are actually in our minds? Amen? Can I hear an amen somewhere? Uh, Our thoughts are powerful. Our thoughts influence how we feel. How, how we think has a direct impact on how we feel. How we think has a direct impact on how we behave. Uh, 
how we speak, what we believe about the future, what we believe about ourselves, what we think about God, how we think is powerful. If I, if I start to think that today's going to be an awful day and it's a miserable day, how's that going to make me feel? It directly impacts on how we feel. I don't start to feel joyful, I start to feel miserable. And if I start to feel miserable, it's going to impact on how I behave. Well, I might as well just do nothing today because it's going to be a miserable day. And because we don't do anything, it just reinforces that thought. And we're in this vicious cycle of negative thinking. Our thoughts have creative power. Our thoughts are powerful. Our thoughts have creative power. Before anything was ever invented, it started with a thought. Someone, someone was just imagining one day and thinking, hey, why don't we do, wouldn't it be good if we could have, carry a phone with us all around everywhere and, and we could just make phone calls anytime. It started in someone's imagination. It started with a thought. If our imaginations are filled with, with faith, we can create things that don't exist yet. That's the power of our imagination. It's, it's where we are created in the image of God. We have this capacity to think something even before it comes to pass. But if our imagination is filled with fear, it, it can also have a powerful impact on our lives. It can block us from being who God has called us to be. It can actually block. If we can start to imagine the worst, it can block us from being everything that God has called us to be. Well, I better not go there because something bad is going to happen. And the only place that bad thing has happened, it's happened in our imaginations. It's happened between our ears. What we think has a profound effect on our lives. And the sooner we grasp that truth, the more effective we will be in changing the trajectory of our lives. In fact, the Bible says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As, the way we think has this incredible power to influence who we are. So here's the key thought for the series that comes out of this book that's really impacted me. It says this, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. And if that's true of our thoughts, that our thoughts influence who we are in such a profound way, don't you think the enemy will do everything he can to sow destructive thoughts into our lives? Don't you think he's going to do every single thing he can to sow something destructive in our a wrong way of thinking so that it can influence us in a negative way? All of us struggle with negative thoughts and from time to time and these destructive thoughts can come in different forms. They can be thoughts of worry. Something bad is going to happen to you. Thoughts of guilt. How could you possibly have done that? What's wrong with you? Thoughts that cause us to doubt God. Nobody likes you. You should be doing better by now. You should be over that by now. You're never going to amount to anything. You have to work harder. You're a victim. That's why, That's why everything's going bad for you because you're a victim. What are people going to think of you? It has to be perfect. I mean, if it's not perfect, it's not good. You're a bad person. You will never change. No one loves you. And the list goes on and on and on and on. They're just thoughts that come into our mind continuously. And so many of our lives abound. We live below our potential. We struggle and strive all because we have these destructive thoughts, all because we believe these destructive thoughts. Now, the good news is that God's word is powerful. Can I hear an amen? It's not just to save us and not just to help us, but also to transform and renew our minds with truth. God's power is powerful, not just to save us and to help us, but actually to transform, to renew the way we actually think. The Bible says that Jesus came to set us free 
Praise God. He came to set us free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. That's the reason why Jesus came. People, some people think, oh, religion, that's just going to bind you. That's going to cripple you. That's just going to push you into a corner and make you miserable in life. No, you don't understand Christianity. That's why you're saying that the reason why Jesus came is so that we could experience life and life in abundance. The enemy instead wants to keep you bound. He wants to keep you bound. The Bible says the enemy's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's, he's going he's to kill everything that, that, that is good in your life. He's going to rob you of your future, and he's going to destroy you in any way that he can. How does he do that? i tell you how he does that. He does that by influencing how we think. He does that by, by convincing us of, of certain things. The enemy has no power over us, none whatsoever. The enemy cannot make you do anything. He cannot make me do anything, just like God can't make you do anything. And, and, and he, but, but what the enemy does is, if he can get us to believe a lie, then he has power over us. It's the only power that he has to get us to believe a lie. If there's one person in the Bible that understood something about what it means to battle thoughts and to win the war in the mind, it was the Apostle Paul. He was a mind expert. I think he was a psychologist. That's just my, my, my brief on that one there. That's just my, my thing. He understood something about the power of the mind, about winning the war in the mind. Notice what he says in our text. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Hey, listen, we're involved in a battle. But, but, but that battle is not the same kind of battle that the world fights. The weapons we fight for are not the weapons of the world. We don't use bombs and we don't use, you know, whatever, cannons and all the rest of it. On the contrary, we do have some weapons and they have divine power. Can someone say divine power? Just divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments. Anybody have an argument with, with themselves? Anybody have argued? We demolish arguments, ways of thinking, mindsets, worldviews, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And Paul is saying that we live in a world where we're involved in a battle and, and, the, and the battle is not fought with natural weapons, but these weapons have the power to demolish strongholds. You know, we live in a world today that, that, that um, and, and, and the enemy uses the world system to try to convince people of certain truths. You know, the biggest, I was thinking about that this week, you know, there's, there's two worldviews essentially when it comes to how, how human beings have come to existence. There's evolution and creation. And you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a thought system that says, you know, evolution is science and Christianity, well, that's just faith, that's just belief. You know, there's, there's no, there's, there's, you know, uh, you, you can't compare the two, you know. Christianity is no science. And we kind of touched on that last week about why we believe that, you know, Jesus is real and God is real. It's the resurrection of Jesus and there's so much proof to that but people would rather believe a theory of evolution that has absolutely no foundation whatsoever it's pure you know a fiction I mean if, if you really want to put it that way of course there's some truth in it of course you know humankind has evolved but how did this whole thing start no one knows no one's got a clue first there was nothing and then what happened no one knows what happened. All they can say is, well, there were some gases that kind of came together and there was a bang. 
And then from the bank, here you are. Look, billions and billions and trillions and billions and trillions. And I can even cope with all of that. But how do we get from nothing to something? That's what I want to know. And I tell you something, it takes faith to believe that there was something after there was nothing. <laughs> you know, there was nothing and then there was something. And you know, what the enemy has convinced people that that's science. That's not science. That's fiction. I'm telling you, that's fiction. You tell anybody, you say, you know what, I'm just going to believe that pigs can fly or whatever. They're going to say, something wrong with you. You know, and yet we teach in our schools that there was nothing and then there was something and we don't know how that happened. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Why, did, why is that being taught in our schools and our universities? I tell you, it's information that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because there is a system out there that says you should not believe in God. And no one ever bothers to say, well, let me study this a little. Let me think this through. Let me think about this. Let me study this. Let me, let me have a look at this in more detail. What is a stronghold? Strongholds in the Bible times were a fortress in the middle of a city that was surrounded by a wall. Often this wall was like six meters thick. It was used to protect officials in times of war. So they would go into the stronghold so that an enemy could not, could not actually break through that stronghold and get to the officials. It was also used to house prisoners so that they could not escape. In other words, no one could come in and, and set those prisoners free. Now, the enemy uses strongholds to protect negative thoughts or destructive beliefs that influence our lives. So he uses, the enemy uses a stronghold. That's the concept of it. He uses a stronghold to protect negative thoughts or destructive beliefs that influence our lives. The enemy understands the power of a thought. The enemy understands the power of belief. And so what he does as we're growing and as we go through experiences of life, he creates negative thoughts and destructive beliefs and he puts them into a stronghold so that you can't get to it and no one can change that. Stronghold is a mental habit pattern, a mindset, a way of thinking that hinders our growth. These habits can take the form of a belief, self-talk, an attitude. And there's a difference between a thought and a stronghold. Um, we control our thoughts. Strongholds control us. Is that okay? And if we don't take control of our thoughts, our thoughts will take control of us. Now, we understand habits in life. We all develop habits. Um, we understand the power of habits and, and how they form. So what happens with a habit, let's just use, uh, uh, let's use smoking as, a, as an example. You know, you see these teenagers, you know, they're, they're I don't know, 12, 13, and they're, you know, they're puffing away somewhere in a, in a bus stop somewhere, and they think they're really cool, you know, they're puffing away. And they've got control. They've got control of the cigarette. They control the cigarette. They say when, they say how. They say how often, but what happens is, as they continue to smoke, as they continue to smoke, as they continue to look cool, and, uh, and, and it crosses a line at some point. And it, once it crosses that line, then they cross that line, and then suddenly, they are no longer in control of the cigarette, the cigarette is in control of them. And then the cigarette starts saying, well, this is when we're gonna do it, and this is how. No, we need one right now. No, 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 not later. We need one right now. And suddenly, it's become a habit. And suddenly, it's become a stronghold. Now, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the habits of our behavior, but that's also true of our mind. We can start to have certain thoughts, 
And uh, what happens is a thought is just a thought. We can dismiss a thought or we can keep that thought. But if we continue to think about a thought and we continue to think about it and we continue to meditate on it and we continue to turn it over in our minds and we start to believe that thought and we start to act on that thought, suddenly it crosses a line where, where up to now we're in charge of that thought, but suddenly that thought has shifted and now the thought is in control of us. And that thought starts to tell us how we're going to live, how we're going to feel, how we're going to behave and what we're going to confess. A stronghold. Strongholds are powerful. Now, there can be positive strongholds and there can be negative strongholds. I'm talking about the negative ones that influence. There are some positive ones that can actually guide us. I believe God is real. I believe His word is truth and nothing is going to change that. I mean, how many people know the negative strongholds seem to form a lot faster, a lot quicker and seem to be a lot stronger than the positive ones? Thing, interesting thing about uh, strongholds is they're not easily moved and we can be controlled by things like fear. A stronghold of fear actually, actually can cripple a person. It's this fear, something bad is going to happen. It's faith in the wrong thing. I believe that something as bad is going to happen to me in the future. We can be crippled by fear, controlled by fear, where fear talks to us and says, don't you dare go out because something bad is going to happen to you. We can be controlled by depression, inferiority, this sense of inferiority where, where, where we just feel like we're nothing, we're never going to amount to anything. No, you're useless, you're not smart, they're, they're, what, what, you're a waste of space. We can, we, if, we, if we start to think those thoughts and believe them, they can become a stronghold that controls us. It controls what we do, it controls how we behave. You know, we would never think, oh, I'm going to enroll in, enroll in a course. Well, there's no way I would ever do something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. Inferiority. We can be controlled by addictions and by anger. We can even know that a way of thinking is wrong or even irrational, but doesn't seem to change us because it's become a stronghold now that controls how we think and how we feel. And so the big question for us is, how do we change those strongholds? How do we change the mindsets in our hearts and in our mind? Well, I want to give you some keys on how to do that that come out of our text today. But before I do that, let me give you three quick ways that people generally think. And maybe see if you can see yourself. There's a ton of other ways, but, but let me just give you three really quickly. The first is worry versus peace. Some people tend to be dominated by thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry instead of peace. It's panic. You know, something bad's going to happen. Uh, there's some people who worry about everything in life, their health, their children, the world, uh, vaccinations and all kinds of things. I mean, you know, there's plenty of material out there for us to worry about, isn't there? So, uh, and it's always, always worried about something bad's going to happen, you know. There's this sense of expectation that something's going to go wrong. I wonder, do you find yourself drifting towards worrying thoughts or, or do you trust God even in difficult situations? Where, 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 do you, where do you kind of sh you know, land in, in relation to, to worry versus peace? And then there's other people are dominated by a negative mindset instead of a positive mindset. These people tend to see the negative in others and negative in situations. It's, it's amazing. It never ceases to amaze me how two people can see exactly the same situation. One person sees all the negative and the other person sees it as a, in a completely different way. Some people will see the clouds as an opportunity for rain. Others will see the clouds as bringing cold and rain. It's going to be dreary. It's going to be wet. It's going to be miserable. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Negative people say, I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. No, you're not. You're negative. <laughs> Don't doubt that, mate. Sorry. <laughs> then there are those who are dominated by a worldly mindset instead of an eternal mindset. That's most of us, by the way. 
Some people's thinking is dominated by the things of this world, what we have, what we wear. How many likes did I get on Instagram? Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's a good day. I got a lot of likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how many followers do we have? What do we look like? Instead, others are driven by eternity. Instead, other people are driven by a sense that, you know, my life here on earth is this short. Eternity is this long. I want to do things that impact eternity rather than worry about stuff of this world. They don't see the gifts that they have as something they can use for themselves. They see the gifts that they have as something they can use for the kingdom of God by His grace, for His glory. It's by His grace. In other words, what I have is just by the grace of God. It's a gift from God. If I'm able to do anything, say anything, have anything, it's a gift from God. It's the grace of God. And it's for His glory. It's not being given for my glory. It's being given for His glory. And listen, listen, listen really carefully. And this is, this is, a, this is a life principle. The more we do th- things in life that, that last for eternity, the happier we will be. The happier we will be. Paul says, so we fix our eyes. Look at it. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what we've seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. So we, there's a sense of, of, of uh, determination and intentionality. I've got to fix my eyes on what is unseen instead of on what is seen, because what is seen just seems to attract us so much. Is that new model car out there? You know what I'm saying? It's just nice. <laughs> You know, there's that new this and that new that. And there's always something new that we need and we want, we must have and, and so on. So we fix our eyes. In other words, there's a, there's a constant pull towards the here and now. And, and so we need to be determined in fixing our eyes on the eternal. What kind of impact is this going to have in, eternal, in eternity? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So as you consider your thoughts, are you dominated by worry or peace, negativity or positivity, a worldly mindset or an eternal mindset? Remember, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Whatever you think about most, whatever you dwell upon the most, that's the direction that your mind is going in, that your life is actually going in. And I wonder this morning, are there any thoughts that are destroying your life, robbing you of your future, stealing your joy, stopping you from growing? And um, the reality is all of us have some work to do in our minds. doesn't matter who you are here. I know you guys look holy and very spiritual and you look like you got it all together and it's amazing. And, and, but the reality is we've all got some work to do in this mind between our ears in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. This is a normal church, thank God. <laughs> Question is, how do we change our thoughts? that seem to dominate our thinking? How do we change our thinking? Well, I wish I could just give you, you know, you know two steps and it's done. Um, it's actually a little bit more difficult than that. In the text that we read, Paul gives us some keys on how to do that. Let me just give you four keys. The first step to dealing with these destructive thoughts is to recognize them. Craig Rochelle says, you can't defeat what you can't define. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Now, that's not as easy to do as you think. Paul says, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul is saying you need to identify the kinds of thoughts that are negative in your life. And and for some people, those destructive thoughts are really easy to recognize. Some of you, as I'm speaking, you already know, Pastor Joe, I know what I need to work on. I have an issue with this. It just keeps dominating the way that I think. I just can't seem to change it. Some of you know what that is. But for others, it's not so easy because those thoughts are unconscious. 
In other words, they're influencing our lives, but we don't even know they're there. It's unconscious thoughts. They're buried deep in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit, in our gut. They influence the way we live and the way we think, but we don't even know they're there. And the best way to look at this is to understand the power of marketing. Now, I've used this example before. Bear with me if, you, if you've heard it before, but I couldn't think of anything better. All right, so um, let me give you a few phrases and see how you feel about them. Okay, you ready? Uh, okay, here they are. So Adidas, just do it. Foodland, the fresh food people. Honda, oh, what a feeling. Now, I know some of you are saying, Pastor Joe, you need to watch a bit more TV because you're not watching enough television. That's your problem, you know? And so as you're listening to this, you go, no, 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 you got it wrong, buddy. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's Nike, just do it. You know, inside of you, something went, what are you doing? That, 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 that doesn't make sense. Get, get, get it right, Pastor Joe. The question for me is this, how did our minds get programmed with these slogans? I don't remember doing a course on Honda. Zoom, zoom. I don't remember doing that course on Honda. I don't remember doing the Toyota course. Oh, what a feeling. I don't remember doing that course. How did those slogans get programmed into our minds? I tell you how. Some smart people sat around a table and they said, how are we going to get a message across? I tell you how. We need to bombard them with this slogan. Bombard them with this slogan again and again and again until they hear it and they remember it. Now, I know some of you are saying, yes, Pastor Joe, I get it. But just because I know the slogan doesn't mean I'm affected by it. Let me tell you something. Let me help you a little bit here. Companies don't spend millions of dollars on marketing unless it translates to sales. They don't spend billions of dollars on marketing unless it changes the way we behave. How many of us have gotten some Nike product in our homes? Come on, we got some. I don't drive a Honda. You know, I wasn't affected by the marketing, not at all. Um, now, in sales, it doesn't really matter. I don't care if you drive a Honda or a Toyota, drive, drive whatever you want, drink whatever you want, it doesn't really matter. But there are other messages, beliefs, patterns of thinking that are destructive. They've made their way into our unconscious and are influencing the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we behave. And if we're going to deal with them, the first thing we need to do is call them out. We need to identify them. I like the word take captive that Paul uses in the text. There's a sense of being proactive, intentional. You've got to catch this thing because they're not easy to catch. It's not a simple process to identify the thought. So if we're going to change the way we think, we need to identify those suits. The best way to do that is start by asking yourself, what am I thinking? What do I think about more than anything else? We need to think about our thinking. We need to do a thought audit. And one of the, we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, but one of the things that we need to do is we need to get those thoughts out of our minds and onto paper. Once you put it onto paper, you actually start to see it with your eyes and then you can start to, to deal with that particular thought. As we respond to the thought, we bring the thoughts out of the darkness and into the light. And that's where change starts to happen. This is where I believe that God wants to restore our way of thinking. This is where I believe that God wants to do some of his greatest work. It's called the process of sanctification. What does God do? He makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. It's where God, by the Holy Spirit, can help to bring to the surface those thoughts that are blocking us. 
One of the things, the whole, as we walk with God, as we pray, read our Bible, as, as, we, as we come to church, one of the things the Holy Spirit does, He brings things out of our unconscious. He brings them into the conscious realm where we're able to deal with things. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. David said, Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. We read it this morning in our text, in, in, in the passage that I read. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your holy hill, into your tabernacle. Send your light means send your light on my unconscious so that I could see exactly what's going on in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. That I can't see. Talk to my friend this week. He's a psychologist, great friend, great guy. I, I, was, I knew I was speaking on this, so we talked about it. I said, I said to him, you know, uh, do, do you really think everybody needs to see a psychologist? You know, and, and the reality is it's a, it's a big, big, big no. One of the greatest psychologists that we all have at our disposition, his name is the Holy Spirit. Bible calls him a counselor. Just putting it out there in case you didn't know. If you, if you, if you, if you check his credentials at the bottom, he's got a few letters there. One of them is counseling. He's done a counseling degree. <laughs> and, and here's what happens in our walk with God. Now, I believe that there are times where some things are just stuck and, and getting, getting the help of a, a third person or a second person just to help us unravel things. I think it's fine. I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I, I thank God that our whole perception of this is starting to shift and, and change. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. There's something about the confession that enables us to bring healing into our hearts and lives. David says, I send your light and send your, your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your holy hill. So this is what happens as we're walking with God, as we're, as we're praying, as we're reading our Bible. One of, one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is form Christ in you and me. In other words, his job is to actually make us more and more like Jesus. And so what happens as we're walking with God, often there is wrong thinking. There, 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 there are mindsets, the ways of thinking that are not in line or in keeping with how Jesus thinks and so what the Holy Spirit does is he brings to the, to the surface those thoughts and once we're on they're in the surface once we're in they're in the light then we're able to actually deal with them and address them David says he's speaking to God he said oh God send your light and your truth let them lead me to my holy hill. Bob Mumford talks about it. I just love the way Bob Mumford, when we become a Christian, he says, um, you know, what God does is he puts a 20 amp bulb inside of our hearts. And so, you know, he puts the light in there and then we look at our hearts and go, oh, this looks terrible. There's a lot of cleaning to do. And so we start to clean furiously and we start to fix those thoughts and we start to bring that thought into line. No, that's not what the Bible says. We got to bring that thought into line and we finally clean up, clean up the house and go, oh, praise God, I'm beautiful, I'm holy and, and you know, I'm just doing so amazing. And then what, what, what God does is he changes the light globe from a 20 watt to a 30 watt and then there it goes and then suddenly we can see more and and then we clean that up and then he changes it to 40 watt and so on and so on and that's the process of sanctification we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ as our minds are being renewed becoming more and more like Christ second thing that we need to do and I need to rush is fight the thought Paul says in the text we read, we read, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight for are not the weapons of the world. Notice the, the warfare language. If we're, if we're going to change our thinking, we need to understand it's going to take a war. It's going to be a fight, a struggle, a battle. Look at what the Passion Translation says. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. 
No prisoner of war. Yes, no worries, I'll come. No, it's, we've got to capture them like prisoners of war. These thoughts, they're like terrorists. We need, to, we need to capture them and insist that they bow down to God. If we want to deal with the destructive thoughts, mindset, strongholds, we need to fight them. We need to reject them outright. We may not have control over which thoughts pass through our mind, but we do have control over which thoughts take root. We, 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 can, we can decide, we, we can't control thoughts, that let the thoughts come, but, but, but we can control which ones actually start taking a room in our, in our hearts. As an example of this in the Bible, Jesus had been speaking to his disciples about going to the cross. Peter, you know, Peter was a great guy. I love Peter. I just love him. It reminds me of me sometimes. Speaks and then thinks. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, you know. So Jesus is speaking about going to the cross and Jesus, Peter, Jesus, could you come here for a minute, please? You know, what are you talking? He begins to rebuke him. What are you talking about going to the cross? Are you crazy? You're not going to go to the cross. You're going to die on a cross. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, very sick and sensitive approach. You know, that's called criticism sandwich, you know, something positive, then negative. No, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Jesus was rejecting the thought that said, you don't have to obey God. You don't have to die on the cross. Think about yourself. And Jesus rejected and rebuked that thought. When we recognize a negative thought in our mind, whose source is the enemy, we need to say, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things. It's a great, it's a great verse to memorize. It's a, it's a, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is a, this is a great scripture to, to, to memorize. Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They, the weapons that we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. No matter how entrenched, secure, stubborn certain things are, God has given us some weapons that have divine power. No matter that strong, I don't care how, how thick those walls are, six, seven, eight, nine meters, I really don't care. God has given us some weapons that have divine power to demolish destructive thoughts. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We don't have the power to win the war in our minds. Listen carefully. We don't have the strength or the ability to do so, but God has given us some weapons that have incredible power. And one of those weapons is truth. And that's the third point. We need to replace a destructive thought with, with truth. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We, we take that destructive thought and we make it obey the truth. So many people identify the wrong thoughts and they try to stop thinking that thought. The more, the more you try and stop thinking a thought, the stronger that thought is going to get. The more you say, you know what, I'm going to stop thinking that thought. <laughs> That's all you think about. You're just going to be thinking about that more. Instead, what you need to do is replace it with the truth. The Bible says, then you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. In fact, you've got to be sneaky. Allow that negative thought to be a, a, a trigger for the positive thought. Bring it on. Bring it on as many times as you can. And you find a truth that counteracts that thought and you just speak it. You confess it over your life in the name of Jesus. 
One of the pieces of the spiritual armor we have is the belt of truth. The belt was crucial because every other piece of armor hung to the belt. And we fight destructive thoughts by replacing them with the truth. Another piece in the spiritual armor was the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Every, every other piece was defensive. It was the sword that was offensive. David said, listen carefully. He said, I send your light and your truth. It's not just expose the thought. God says, David says to God, send, send your light, expose the thought, but then send your truth to counteract that thought. And th this is God who's involved in our, he's involved in, in, in the restoring of our minds. It's God, you expose that thought and then you give me a truth that's gonna counteract that in the name of Jesus. When the devil came against Jesus, Jesus used the word of God. It is written. And you need to get a word from God that is gonna defeat your stronghold. In the name of Jesus. It might be a verse, it might be a truth, it might be whatever it is. It's a truth that counteracts that stronghold. The word, uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word rhema. It's not the word logos. It's the word rhema, which means it's a specific word for a specific situation, for a specific time. And what we need to, to, to defeat our strongholds is a specific word for us that's going to penetrate that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Paul goes on to say and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and, weapon, and, and requests. What kind of weapons do we have that have divine power? Let me give you a few. One is truth. One is the Word of God. And one is prayer. And finally, if we're going to deal with destructive thoughts, then we need to retrain our thinking. The Bible says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. In other words, protect what you let come into your mind. Did you know the average person watches a thousand hours of TV a year? 9.5 years in the average lifetime. I reckon it's more than that now. <laughs> Equally, the person that goes to church weekly adds up to 4.5 months in the average lifetime. Who do you think is influencing our minds? And now with social media, the phones, you know, you've got the news flashes coming onto your phone immediately. God forbid that a piece of information or a piece of news, you know, you should hear it maybe five hours later. Oh, that's terrible. No, you've got to hear it in the moment. <laughs> and if you're constantly feeding your mind the wrong things, then what's going to happen? It's going to affect your life. Instead, if we feed our minds with the right things, then that will help you identify the wrong thoughts. Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. One of the weapons we have is the truth. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But notice, what, notice the verse before. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do we find out what the truth is? We find it by studying the word of God. His word is truth. This morning we sang, remember, remember that our God has never failed us, never failed us. Remember that our God has made a way, He's made a way. I love that. I, love, I, just, I just love, remember, remember. Remember, bring to mind certain truths. You know, right now I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I'm going through this other thing. And it's just, all I'm thinking is thinking all of this. Remember, 
Remember that our God has made a way. Remember that our God is he's a good God. Remember that God is strong. Jeremiah, he's thinking about what's happening in Jerusalem and the people of Israel. And I thought about all this and I got more and more depressed. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Changes the way he's thinking. If we're going to win the, win the battle in our minds, then we need to choose carefully what we allow into our minds, what we expose ourselves to, what we read, what we watch, where we go. Thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. So many of us end up in places we don't want to be and we wonder, how did I get here? It's really simple. We got onto the wrong train of thought. That's clever. Come on, come on, that's clever. Come on, come on. Took me a long time to do this stuff. It's the wrong train of thought. If we get onto the train of worry, it's going to take us somewhere. Ain't going to be good. If we get on the train of fear, unforgiveness, it's going to take us somewhere. Conversely, if we get onto the train of God's truth, it's going to bring us to freedom, joy, life. Your life will turn out very differently depending on which thoughts you accept or reject. How do we deal with destructive thoughts? Well, this is like part one. We need to identify them. We need to fight them. We need to fight them. We need to fight them. It's a fight. It's a war. It's a battle. We need to replace them with truth. We need to renew our minds. I wonder, are there any thoughts that are destroying your life? It's plenty that are destroying mine. (laughs) Are there any thoughts that are robbing you of becoming the person God has called you to be? I love the story of David and Goliath. David is this young boy, Goliath the giant. Philistine said, let's have a battle. You choose a warrior, we will choose a warrior, they're going to fight. Whoever loses becomes the slaves of the other. You know the story. Listen carefully. Strongholds are like giants. If you don't beat them, you will become a slave to them. Strongholds are like giants. If you don't beat them, you're going to become a slave to them. And some of you are saying, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. I've tried so hard, prayed so much, fought hard. And I just feel so powerless. Notice what the Bible says about David. David said to the Philistine, to the giant, some of us, some of us need to start to speak to our giants. Some of us need to start to speak to our strongholds and say to them, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin and thoughts, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all of those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give all of you into our hands. Remember the battle's the Lord's. It's not God somewhere else in a corner going, yeah, give it a shot, see how you go, you know. It's, that's not God. It's His battle. He's fighting for us. He's fighting with us. He's there with us, fighting and by His grace and for His glory. Those strongholds are going to come down in Jesus' name. Pastor Joe, is it easy? No, it's not easy. No, it's not. 
by God's grace, those strongholds are going to come down in Jesus' name. And we will get the victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will we all stand together, please? And Father, I just thank you for your word today and I thank you for this congregation. And I just pray that as we meditate on your word, Lord God, that you would speak to all of us by your spirit, I pray. Let this week be a week where we honor you and glorify you, Lord God. You're an amazing God. You're an amazing God. And we acknowledge and recognize that it's by your grace and for your glory. Be glorified today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week in Jesus' name.